Hello, hello, hello. <clears throat> Happy to be here tonight on a Tuesday. It's the last day of January, the 31st. January is gone, man. I saw some people say we got to get this channel, we got to get the YouTube channel to 100,000 subscribers by by Valentine's Day. Well, that's going to take a little help, I think. It's February tomorrow. Insane, which means it's practically March because February is just it's not even a real month. So, I'm sorry if your birthday's in February. I have several people. Matt's birthday's in February. Uh, my aunt, my godmother's birthday is in February. A couple of the friends are in February too, so don't take offense. Um, tonight's going to be a good one, though. On this last, oh, you know, before we go anywhere, uh, we have a monthly, frankly, subscriber winner. I don't have a last name for you. All I have is Mary. Mary. And I have her uh, her email address, obviously, because she's a monthly subscriber. So I'll get in touch with her. Mary has won a UFO drone. This, these are so fun. If it's not up her alley, it's going to be up her, uh, you know, grandchildren's alley or children's alley. I think everybody would love these. This is a lot of fun. And it doesn't take really much to, to get the hang of. And uh, I'll see what else I'm going to send her way. So Lauren usually helps me come up with really nice things to do. And, and that's what we do. So there you have it. At the tail end of January, our raffle giveaway. We, we drew the names this afternoon. Very happy for Mary. Um, but for tonight, we have a short show because I have to go into the other room with the band. And we're going to continue working out and and getting ourselves knocking off the rust and getting ourselves focused for whatever our itinerary for 2023 is musically and that's why i have a nice short but jam-packed show for you tonight um i want to welcome everybody who's watching on youtube and rumble and twitch d live theta rockfin and beyond soon we're going to be adding getter I might try doing it again on you on uh, Twitter. We got kicked off a of Periscope a while back, and then we were reinstated, and then I didn't want to try anything anymore. I might try it with Twitter again, but there's Getter, there's Twitter, and there's a few others that I wanted to do. Uh, I want to get back on Odyssey as well, but you can't leave out WHYUFM eighty nine point one in that tri-state area of West Virginia and. Virginia and Maryland, that whole area. So hello to all you early morning people and farmers out there. We love you. Keep the eggs coming. We need your eggs. Send me some goat kefir. Well, we have a short show tonight, like I said, but we're bringing on a great guest, a longtime friend of mine. If you've been watching the show for any considerable amount of time, then you know, you know Max Ancaparato, astronomer, um, he is, uh, he, he teaches at an American university. He is uh, really, really great. I want to give you his whole resume before we bring him on, but he's appeared on the show many times over the course of the years to talk about earth space and, uh, libertarian approaches to all things, especially 
libertarian approaches to keeping meaningful scientific endeavors, endeavors free of government interference. And influence, I should say. Interference, influence, same thing. So I, I love that. He's uh, probably more on the anarcho-capitalist side of things, so even farther right than libertarian. You see, when people say far right, my buddy tonight, he's far right. And, uh, and, and you're going to meet a lot more of them as we come up throughout the year because I want to do more of these libertarian roundtables. In fact, some of them are so far right, they hate even being described as libertarian. And you'll see how scary they are. Uh, but but um, that's going to be great tonight. We'll talk about this recent claim. I've been saving this for a night that Max came on. There was a recent claim by this um, astrophysicist lady. So obviously all she does is complain. Natalie Gosnell, she said for the New York Post uh, about a couple of weeks ago, let me get it up over here. She said on the New York Post that, that the field of astrophysics is riddled with white supremacy. So I wanted to ask uh, Max about that. That would be nice. I also want to ask him about this rare green comet that is coming our way. And, um, and then maybe some other more ancient questions that have been coming up on this show as of late. So it's going to be great to have him on. But first, we have to do other things. We have to do other things. I'm going to thank first my sponsors, SecretNatureCBD.com. I was enjoying a little, uh, a little papaya nights over here before we began. And uh, thank you, Secret Nature CBD, for being great sponsors and for keeping everybody chilled out and just feeling on the up and up, no matter what. 20 years of organic cannabis cultivation has gone into their entire product line. So go check them out. And uh, if you have any questions, email them. Tyler is very on top of all that stuff, and he's uh, on the cutting edge of all of the new technology and formulations and... Um, I definitely recommend them. SecretNatureCBD.com. Use promo code FRANKLY for 20% off. I also want to say that we have a new thread up that I cannot wait to get. Because all we really need for one of these threads to take off and become a great show is about maybe four to six really awesome entries. So we're not far away because then, then that will that will spur some calls spontaneous people uh, calling in, telling their stories, and then you know the magic that that could create. So that's what we do here. And this is what I created for you. Came up to me today. The question is, what is the most important lie you've ever told? Now, don't lose the plot on this. I'm not asking about the nobility of lying or whether or not lying has any kind of karmic implications or or negative effects or anything like that. I'm talking about in a situation, as I said here, it goes without saying that lying is not nice. But let's be honest, it can sometimes be a very necessary tool for an objective good and even sometimes survival. So I'd like to know if you're out there, whether you've ever, whether there's ever been times you've had to lie to buy yourself time to sit, figure out a sticky situation or get out of one, to conceal a wonderful surprise for someone, I guess the most common thing is surprise parties or anything like that. The I guess the 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 sex of a of a child that, that you know, I don't know, or to give comfort or hope to a loved one who is in desperate need of it. Or have you ever had to lie to save your life? That's what I want to know. So 
don't um I don't need a, ness, a lesson about how bad lying is. I'm talking about because it's it's also absolutely ridiculous to say I I don't lie, Frank. And let me tell you why. It's bad. Great. Okay, well you're lying. You sh show me someone who says that they they've never lied and I'll show you a liar. So I want to know about a, a, a time that a lie worked in your favor, worked in your fa I mean, I should say worked toward an objective good in your favor would would mean that it was a a deception or a manipulation of someone around you just to benefit you. But let's say that you were you were in a sticky situation and you needed to preserve your life or whatever. That's I want I'm just curious to see what comes back on this one. I'll let it ruminate on the forum. I stuck it to the top of the forum. I'll let it stay there for a couple of weeks and see what comes back. Tomorrow night is going to be a great show. I have a couple of threads I want to do including one from that old um, Twitter account that we were we were reading all those Ukraine threads with a couple of years ago before they got yanked off. Actually, it was last March or so they got yanked off. War clandestine. I want to read a little bit into that and get back into the, the biolabs aspect of things. That'll be tomorrow. But on Thursday night, this, this, con this conversation we're going to have with Jay Dyer and Timothy Gordon is going to be great. It's going to be great. I was talking to them behind the scenes today, and we're kicking around some really great ideas. So we'll see. We'll see where that all goes, and then uh, and then all of a sudden it's the weekend again. My gosh. All right. Oh, and tomorrow night is the last, is the last session of Book Club for C.S. Lewis. And let me tell you, it has been fantastic, and we have another great book coming up in March taking the, the month of February just to chill out. Maybe you can read something on your own. These months in between book club are great for you to go out there and just knock out a book on your own because now you're getting back into the handle of things. You know, that's what I plan on doing in February, knocking out something else, if not a couple of things, just breezing through them. Your brain needs it. But in March, we've got Jay Dyer doing Brave New World with us. So if you are enjoying yourself or if this is something you always wanted to read and be able to do deep dives with somebody while you're reading it, then become a sponsor of the show, no matter how small, wherever it is, on Patreon, subscribes. I would say Subscribestar over Patreon because Patreon is the most volatile politically out of all of those those uh, operations. So subscribe star or directly through quitefrankly.tv or you can even become a monthly subscriber through the foxhole chat on quitefrankly.tv. So go check it out. As long as you are a monthly sponsor, you will be provided with the uh, the exclusive unlisted show links. That's also includes your Sunday streams that we do together, which are always great. This past Sunday stream was great. Okay. All right, you ready? Let's jump into the grab bag. First thing up is a short note from Chris France, who had his heart surgery today. And, uh, and he said, Frank, I just wanted to thank you. All went perfectly well. He sent a picture into the Discord for everybody to see from his hospital bed. All went perfectly well. The clog was soft enough to just do an angioplasty. Worked great. I feel 100% better. Please tell all the Franklies for me. Much love from them. Uh, the much love from them helped carry me through it with faith that all will be fine as it turned out to be. So thank you everybody that threw a little bit of your of your energy and your your goodwill behind Chris, as you've done for so many people over the years. Thank you everybody at home. Um, here's the first one up from the New York Post. Surgeons extract a condom wrapped banana 
that a man ate in a hormonal rage fit, whatever this means. Was he trying to get some sexual peeling? A 34-year-old man had to be hospitalized after eating a banana wrapped in a condom in a fit of rage. Haven't you ever tried stuffing a large fruit down your throat when you were angry, ladies and gentlemen? Which resulted in a serious bowel blockage. A case study described his banana, uh, his banana's contraceptive calamity, deemed to be the world's first case of its kind, was published earlier this week in the journal of Curious. I'm sure that will come into all of the end of the year, end of the year countdowns that we do with Matt next December. The bizarre case came to light after the unidentified patient had reported to hospital after experiencing abdominal pain, nausea, and vomiting. Meanwhile, he wasn't able to tolerate any food or drink and hadn't had a bowel movement in over 24 hours, Jam Press reported. Doctors performed a CT scan, which revealed that the poor soul had a condom-wrapped banana obstructing his small intestine. The patient, who reportedly had a history of depression, coped or copped or copped, copped to swallowing the prophylactic-covered fruit in a fit of hormonal rage, which absolutely makes no sense. Hormonal rage? What does that mean? There's a banana in that thing? What What the hell is this? What the hell is it? I, I mean, bananas turn brown, but what the, what the hell's going on? So just wanted to let you know that happened, just in case anybody wants you to write a book report on it. The Western Journal, watch Bill Gates squirm as interviewer repeatedly presses him on Jeffrey Epstein connection. In a new interview, Bill Gates awkwardly pushed back against any suggestion that his relationship with the convicted sex offender, that's what it always comes down to. Jeffrey Epstein was more than a few dinners. So he was, uh, this was Monday in an Australian broadcast core. Let's see here, it's called 7.30. Listen, listen to this. Wait, here you go. Now, one of the issues that's dogged you is, is that of your relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. Do you regret that you maintained with him against Melinda's advice and wishes? Oh, I've said that I'm, I mean, this is, you're going way back in mm -hmm. time. But yeah, I, New audience. I will say for the, you know, oh, over 100 time, yeah, I shouldn't have had uh, dinners with him. Um, <laughs> oh, man. You remember, you remember what happened to, to Donald Trump when Kanye West showed up to, to Mar-a-Lago with Nick Fuentes in, uh, in, in uh, around Thanksgiving, but but oh, well, hundredth time I shouldn't have been around this person who was running sexual black ops for all the major spy agencies in the world. Epstein had a way of sexually compromising people. Is that what Melinda was warning you about? No, 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 no. She just thought that he was just. I, I don't know. I don't know what she thought. Why? Why? I, I don't know. Yeah. Wh what do you think she could have been warning you uh, uh, about? What it could? What could it have been? I mean, it, it's. No, I, I had dinner with him, uh, and that's all. And that you regret the relationship, the acquaintance? That I had dinner with him. Mm. And, and the relationship between the Foundation and Epstein, which There was... never was any relationship of any kind. Oh, yeah. Fuck this guy. I love watching him squirm a little bit. No relationship of any kind. Um, because I, I, I often have multiple dinners with people I have no connection with. And it was just a coincidence... 
that um, they had shared interests in genetic engineering or that Bill Gates' science advisor was named the executor to Epstein's estate. Listen, he's dead now. Just move on. Let's just move on. He's dead. He's dead and I'm alive. And I have very important work. Why don't you talk to me about my new shot? Talk to me about my new shot that I'm going to give you. Let's talk about that a little bit. All right. Here's something I thought was really, really fantastic. This is from Fox News, but I've seen it covered all over the place. Victoria Azarenka blasts reporters at Australian Open over political questions. Belarusian tennis player Victoria Azarenka got into a heated exchange with the media during a press conference last week after she faced a number of questions about the controversial displays of pro-Russian supporters at the Australian Open, arguing that she is an athlete and being questioned about things outside of her control. After losing the semifinal match in straight sets to Elena Rybikina uh, uh, in thir- uh, on Thursday, Azarenka became somewhat combative with a reporter who questioned her about the scrutiny surrounding Russian and Belarusian players since the invasion of Ukraine and if she felt it was difficult to put all those things out of your mind while competing. And here's uh, here's what you say. Uh, here's a little bit of the exchange. I, I don't know what you guys want us to do about it. Like, talk about it. I, 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 don't, I don't know what's, what's the goal here that um, is continuously brought up and uh, these incidents that, in my opinion, have nothing to do with players, but somehow you keep dragging players into it. Yeah, but you don't understand, uh, Victoria. Nobody watches the news anymore, so we need influencers. We need, we, need, we need athletes and we need people who spin plates for a living to go and influence people's thoughts. Don't you want to help the cause? So what's the goal here? I think you should ask yourself that question, not me. Does it, does, sorry, just to clarify on that, though. Does it frustrate you that... Um, you know, particularly last night, for example, it was a clear sort of pro-Russian demonstration happening within the grounds of the tournament, that these people are coming and using the Australian Open as a platform for this, these kind of demonstrations? Does it, no, so for those of you who couldn't really hear it, if you're, you know, you're, you're driving in traffic or something like that, uh, the reporter then goes and doubles down and says, but does it frustrate you that people are, uh, obviously these supporters of Russia, I don't know if it, if it was a pro-Russia pro in the war context or just supporting the Russian athlete. I don't know. But somebody was demonstrating politically there. And she, well, well don't you, do, are you upset that they're, they're using the Australian Open as a platform for one thing or another? They, they don't give a shit. They don't give a shit about taking anything that used to be a, a mild cotton candy escape for all of us on a weekend, a football game, a baseball. They don't care about taking any of that stuff and destroying it to be able to push a message, but um, just won't let it go, this, this, this dumb cluck. Does that frustrate you? Does that frustrate you? <laughs> Does that frustrate you? The, the, the most frustrating person in the world asking if something else is frustrating. Ah. <sighs> oh. I 
So whatever the answer I'm going to give it to you right now, it's going to be turned whichever way you want to turn it to. So does it bother me? What bothers me is um, there's real things that's going on in the world. And I don't know, are you a politician? Are you? Are you covering politics? Yes, and I'm a sports, and I'm an athlete. And you're asking me about things that maybe somebody says are in my control, but I don't believe that. So I don't know what you want me to answer. Good for her. Good for her just not to entertain it. I mean, not, not to even uh, go back and forth and just to stay right there and say to hell with it. Because honestly, do we even have to ask this question, but would it be a problem if people were carrying Ukrainian flags? If the old baby blue and gold were out there, would it, would anybody be having a problem? No. You know why? Because the spy agencies who created this conflict out there in Eastern Europe in the first place, they have determined for the public through the arm-twisting media that supporting the Ukrainian side of this proxy war is the only publicly acceptable stance to take. So it's just suffocating and i'm glad that she glad that she held firm on that see th this is how these these are how people are gaining fans these days you know that's that's what it is so many people are disillusioned with sports that uh, i find myself rooting for people on teams that i always detested because you know like jd martinez when he's i know that i don't think he's a red Sox anymore i think he just got traded i don't know but as much as he kills the yankees i always just tip my cap to the guy ever since he stood up to all of the uh you know the cancel culture crowd that came after him for standing up for the second amendment I said all right good for, I'm, I'm i am a i'm a fan of this guy now like that's <laughs> that is what it comes down to for me now so if i'm ever watching women's tennis I'll root for her. Victoria Azarenka. I'll be rooting for this one if I ever sit down to watch a tennis match again and she's playing. That's what it comes down to. I can't take this shit anymore. And neither, they, neither can uh, people like her, which is great. All right, we'll be right back. We're going to start this one off with a short clip from Tucker Carlson the other night where he had a cigar aficionado on to talk about a proposed 95% cigar tax because the the government loves us. They love us. They don't want us to smoke cigars anymore, so they, they, they may need to tax us to, to keep us healthy because they love us. Just like they love us so much that they have to put fluoride in all the water. They want, they make, what, what's the point of being an American if everybody's teeth aren't just, I mean, we need to save America's teeth. So this is obviously a, a role for the government. So they love us. Always remember that. So we'll get into that in just a second, and then we welcome on our friend Max and have a good time with that. Don't go anywhere. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! 
I would love to play this song with the band. That'd be nice. You know, Pantera is actually playing this. Um, they're using Mouth for War on this little tour of theirs. Although Pantera has been kicked off of two European festivals now because they have unearthed uh, some Phil Anselmo controversies, Nazi imagery, white power uh, stuff and all that. So, so Pantera got kicked off of two two of those but uh, the the tour has been great to watch so far and i got tickets for august giant stadium definitely seeing them with, with metallica i have not been to a concert in a very very long time it's all right we're doing it hopefully rex brown is back on stage then he got i think he got covid he got the clovid and uh just a couple of dates in he had to take a take a break and then i never seen him again so right now it's just phil anselmo and company but it's still a lot of fun. All right. I'll talk more about music some other time. Don't want to bore you. No, it's not boring. We just don't have time. I don't have any time to waste right now. We have to talk about cigars. That's what we have to do. Cigars. So many things to talk about this week. This is what we're talking about now. Here is a cigar lover who sounds off on a proposed 95% cigar tax. It's got to be New York. And I think it is. Criminal defense attorney Leo Gellarmino uh, discusses why New York state tax for cigars is nearly seven times that of weed. So let's do it. I can't wait to talk. Taxes aren't just a way to raise money for the state. They're an instrument of social control. If you don't like something, you tax it into extinction. So with that in mind, you should know that the state of New York currently imposes a 75% tax on cigars. Because they're so dangerous. Number of Americans killed each year by cigars? <laughs> Not many. But a new tax would increase would be increased under a law that looks like it's gonna pass to 95% on cigars in the state of New York. Meanwhile, the tax on cannabis in New York is 13%. Why is that? Well Because we are absolutely insane. There is no redeeming qualities for New York outside of its geography and the people who are largely outside of the, the uh, you know, the, the people who are largely outside of uh, social media bumping heads. And, and the farther you get away from the city, of course, you have less to do uh, to deal with the revolutionary types that love to get in your face and make even the most you know, ridiculous of small town politics into a, a fight for the future. Oh, it's so pathetic. When you see the, the, the B teams, you know, you, you know the A team and the B team that are in, in Washington. You can tell them. You got like the, the old school people that are at the top of the pecking order. Then you got the B team, the C team. The squad is like B to C. They're all fucking, never mind. Um, but in New York or any other place, you probably live in a place that, that, sees this happen or at least it's attempted and what's attempted it's so pathetic where you have these sig insignificant places they're significant but the people who live there towns villages little hamlets all over and you have like the d e and f team of people who really want to be part of the the system 
who really want to be. I, I, yes, I, I'm, I, I was elected. People voted for me. Oh, yes, I'm a politician. Oh, I'm a mayor. I'm a blah, blah, blah. And, and they try to take this big, this big city, big government, national stance to, to I, I'm fighting for the future of this town and we are going to correct the wrongs of hundreds of years and blah, blah, and they get into race and they get into gender and they get into the diversity as our strength bullshit, which it obviously isn't for my town. Obviously isn't for my town. It's just like, uh, it is like the B, D, E, F, G team. It's, it's terrible. It's terrible. So you got a lot of that going on here. You got these people who are sent to Albany that are just like, what can we do? We've got to do something. We can't just sit here and not do something. Somebody write a law. Let's pass it. Let's find a problem to fix. Let's create a problem to fix. That's what happens in New York. And aside from it being geographically, geologically gorgeous, wonderful place to, to live and to settle down if you have a, a good place and, and, and good local culture, but man, oh, man. Does the city in Albany really screw things up and, and around the Buffalo area? Lou Gelamino is a criminal defense attorney on Staten Island and a cigar aficionado. And so we're inviting him tonight to explain the disparity. So you're, you're a defense lawyer. You're very familiar with disparities, powder and crack cocaine and the rest. Why the disparity in taxes? 95% for cigars, which do not hurt you. And 13% on weed, which increases your chance of getting schizophrenia. What is this? Tucker, thanks for having me. As you know, I am a cigar smoker, and I, I guess that's yeah. why you had me on tonight. You know, it seems like the government will not be happy unless they have us all eating kale, drinking carrot juice, and smoking weed. All right? They're yes. not happy with a nice, good cigar. I mean, to tax something at 95% is absurd. They want to tax it into extinction, like you said. But why? You know who gets hurt here, Tucker? The mom and pop cigar, cigar shop down in the corner. That's right, like, like lefty cigars. Cigars that, that now roll the, quite frankly, jester that you can find on the affiliates page. I mean, I, I have to imagine that they're not going to be, I've never, they don't, people I, the people I know who roll hand-rolled cigars don't charge tax. It's, it's right in front of people. It's almost like a pizzeria cash business. So there's ways to get around it. But the fact that, you know, this is going to keep it out of a lot of, a lot of stationary stores, you know, bringing in cigars from other places. I actually think that the mom and pops, well, no, they have a location and they're on the map. Anyway, yeah. That's who gets hurt here. Not the rich people, because you know where they're buying the cigars? On the illegal market, the Cubans on the illegal market. Of course. They get their full boxes and they're not taxed. But the, the average Joe that wants us to enjoy a nice cigar on his porch at night with a nice glass of red wine oh. or a nice martini, he is the one that's getting hurt. Like well, always, but right? I don't, of course, as always, but I don't even understand the justification for it. So if you moderately smoke cigars and don't inhale them and you're not burning 10 a day or something, if you have an occasional cigar, the health risk is negligible. That's just true. People get hysterical when you say that, but it's true. So there's clearly no public health crisis posed by cigar smoking, of all things. What is this? 
So, uh, Tucker, I don't know. I can't explain it. All I can explain to you is that everything we seem to enjoy, whether it's yeah. a glass of red wine, a drink, right. a, a nice cigar, they're going to tax. You know what's coming next, Tucker. I brought a prop. You know what's coming next because the elites at Davos have already warned us for this. Yeah. Red meat. Our yeah. big fat steaks. That's what they're going to be texting. I just had a, um, I just had a, a ribeye before I got here. Oh, so good, so good. Lou is right on the money here. I would love to hang out with Lou. I would love to have a steak, a cigar, and a drink with Lou on a nice summer night, with a Yankee game on on the uh, on the AM radio, shooting the shit. And that is just a pleasant night to me. Next. That's what they're going to be taxing next. Red meat. It's coming, Tucker. Because we it's enjoy about, that. Well, of course. And taking someone's pleasure away is the ultimate sign of power. Right. Uh, uh, you know, that's what he, that's what he come, come down to. And I think it might just be it. Because I'm even wondering myself, why? Is it really just about curtailment of enjoyment? I should ask my, my guests coming up here because I love talking about these these kind of, uh, these ridiculous topics with him. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest. That's Max Ancaparato. Um, Max is an astronomer and the planetarium coordinator for an American university. He obtained his degree in astrophysical and planetary science and in atmospheric and oceanic science from the University of Colorado. Afterwards, he did research at CU with the Institute of Arctic and Alpine Research with the field studies of climate and snowpack in the Rocky Mountains. Max has helped film, animate, script, and direct science documentaries, which are in distribution in over 260 planetariums in a dozen countries, or dozens of countries, I'm sorry. As a planetarium coordinator, his primary focus is in STEM, outreach, and education. Well, I could very safely say, like Robin McCutcheon, if you ever had a child that went to college and found him or herself, you know, go, working in one of Max's classrooms or one of his programs, they are in good hands. He's a, a great guy, and I can't wait to speak with him. So, um, so that's what we're going to do right now. So that's what we're that's that's what we're on to. Max Ancaparato joins us. Max, how you feeling, man? Oh, let me uh, let me fix my audio just a bit. It sounds like you're coming through my speakers instead of. You sound great, by the way. Oh yeah, I got I got a a new mic here. Yeah, okay, I see. Ya. Can can you hear me? Yes, I can see you in here. Oh, I love the background too. I uh, love the. Yep. Listen, Max. Before before we do anything, um, will mm -hmm. you before we get started, will you please denounce? Vladimir Putin. I want to make sure that everybody that comes on here denounces, just right. Make sure that they denounce Vladimir Putin off the bat, so we know you're on the good For side. What? <laughs> okay. Here's the other question I have. Here's the other question I have. Um, we're just talking about this cigar tax in in New York, and Tucker Carlson asked the question of this guy Lou, who was mm -hmm. talking about it, and he just trying to find the basic justification. As a guy yourself who takes real great interest in analyzing all the stupidity of of uh, of government, what do you think? Is it really? What do you think the ninety five percent cigar tax is in New York really about? Is it really just basically curtailing enjoyment of people, or or what could it be? Um, I, they they must honestly not want the money 
I don't I don't think a 95% tax actually increases revenue for the state, right? They're um I think they're legitimately trying to make the cigars um basically uh either go out of business and then it will only be a black market. Right. Um if you if you look at the function of any prohibition on on anything uh in terms of a market operation the uh government is actually enforcing the rights of exclusivity amongst the cartel right there the legal businesses that could um you know sell marijuana or or uh, other drugs uh you know coke or meth or heroin or anything like that um are being put out are are intentionally put out of business by the government which ensures that the cartel or the black market will will have a monopoly power on it and and so yeah the the government's just once again showing that it's on the side of the criminals uh whenever it prohibits anything i know you know i was thinking about that too everybody would make jokes about the banning of incandescent light bulbs that there's going to be light bulb dealers now and they're going to create the black market for you know big light energy and then there is um but you know when you think about the black market for cigars obviously that's a little bit more even benign than black market for any other kind of illicit drugs, they say. But when you are on with me next Thursday, the 9th, with Moonlit Matt and with Based Heisenberg, and we have a full-throated libertarian ANCAP um, uh, roundtable, I want to, one of the main things I want to talk to you guys about is drug prohibition, and I want to talk about things like... Um, I don't know, prosecuting crimes on the dealer end or the manufacturing end of things. I'm, I'm definitely not a proponent of putting, sending anybody to jail for being a user or being addicted to drugs in any way, shape, or form, especially if they never committed any violent crimes while high. You know, um, I, I think that is, is absolutely ridiculous. But there are a lot of big questions, overarching questions that I want to pose to you and the guys that I think will be uh, will make for some provocative conversation when it comes to prohibition and drugs and all that. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. That'll, that'll be fun. So, uh, by the way, the 95% tax, uh, I, it always weirded me out. Um, I, I love the Stevie Ray Vaughan version of Taxman. But it was originally written by the Beatles. Yes. You know the story behind it? No, I don't know the story, but I know the song. You, that's one for me. That is a reference to the 95% income tax that was uh, paid by the Beatles back in the 60s in the United Kingdom. That was their tax rate. Wow. So the, the opening lyrics of the song, 19 for you and one for me. Or, or sorry, there's one for you, 19 for me. I had it backwards. Uh, let me tell you how it'll be. There's one for you, 19 for me. I'm the tax man. That's a reference. Um, he says, yeah, should 5% appear too small, be thankful I don't take it all. <laughs> I see, I didn't see, I didn't know that. I, I mean, I always appreciated the song because obviously it was not a very, it wasn't very um, friendly to the tax collector, and I hate taxes, but I did not know that, that history behind it. That's, that's, that's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was the Beatles' little protest songs, and like, what we're paying ninety five? Why, like, uh, and it, you know, it's their income over you know five hundred thousand pounds or something like that. But anyways, well, just, just 
put it in right in my head, man. I, I love the Stevie Ray Vaughan version so much. It's gotten it's gotten as as high as ninety five percent or more in the U S. Uh, around in the the around World War Two or so. Obviously, the income tax was promised to be something that was just temporary to get us through hard times and then it stayed around forever and then became progressive and it, it well it, it was a temporary tax to um fund the war effort in world war one in in 1917 but i'm sure world war one will be over any day now i know it still hasn't ended if you really think about it, it everything is connected it's like a big daisy chain Honest, of... honestly we're back to 1919 right now because we're funding we're funding the whites, uh, which have turned into the, you know, like a Zolf battalion against not the reds. Actually, the I mean, Vladimir Putin's the whites. He, they're, that's Republican Russia, right? Basically, pretty much. And so we're funding, we're funding the the, um, you know, Galician SS against um, the uh, the white revolution. So, yeah, it's, it's a weird timeline we live you in. You know, they say, they say that history doesn't repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. And I, I, I can, you can, we can feel, see a lot of rhyming going on right now. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a facsimile. Um, but anyway, I, I wanted to bring up some other things that, that pertain to your profession. And this is from the New York Post in January of this year, a couple of weeks ago, January 17th. I'm going to put it up on the screen and I'm going to put you right down there in the corner with me. Astrophysicist Natalie Gosnell says the field of astrophysics is riddled with white supremacy. Uh, here's how it goes. It's a different kind of space race. A Colorado astrophysicist who says the field is paralyzed by systemic racism and white supremacy and very violent and hypermasculine terminology such as vampire star or cannibal star is speaking about about combating these issues in the classroom and beyond. Uh, before we even go anywhere, as, a, as somebody who does work in this field, do you, do you find that it's paralyzed by systemic racism? I, yeah, I, I think um, so. I did read her actual original article from the Colorado College um, student newspaper, which was published January 5th. And um, you, she's got some good points uh, about uh, the male dominance in the field. Definitely that that is panned out uh, statistically. It is improving as far as the the ratios of uh, female to male students as time goes on. Um, however, uh, the, the racial aspect just isn't, um, one that I think has ever played a factor, in, at least in, in living memory. I, I do think that there is an old boys club in most departments. Um, and there's, there's just a lot of movement towards making it a nicer place to be a young woman, I think, uh, could be said about most physics astrophysics department um and and i mean that in kind of like a, a me too kind of way <laughs> okay well i mean i, I that's something i've always heard i mean, and it, it, you have to expect when you start mixing men and women especially in in places where it's uh tends to be naturally dominated by by one sex or the other that these things are tough transitions and usually those who are in the minority have to deal with some have to deal with some uh, not necessarily I, obviously, people have been ostracized. It's not out of the out of the 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 uh, you know the equation there. But um, as far as natural interest in STEM, 
I always have been, hey, if it's available to people and that's what they gravitate toward, fine. But the intent that I've always seen put on all this, all of the, the, the missions, the mission statements for one thing or another, it was always so gender war, race war, you know, Marxist-based in the way that it's being promoted. I have no problem with little girls wanting to pursue, you know, scientific, uh, scientific goals in life and all that stuff. But um, to say that there is an ideological hurdle through that is about one sex or one gender or one race dominating the other, is is that is that really that really something you see on a day, daily basis? Um, I, I think, you know, not so much, no. I, I do see, so the, the main problem that we have in STEM fields is that there's these, um, like, I, and I legitimately looked up some, some studies about this, and actually um, I, I'm looking at one of my former female professor's uh, paper about this, and um, she was saying, uh, that the number one thing that happens is uh, for the women who get into STEM majors when they get to college, say they're doing physics or chemistry, biology, et cetera, they are going to be, um, there's all those weed out classes uh, that are supposed to be the hard classes to keep people from keep going. And so um, what will happen is the women will have a GPA around 3.5, but they will decide to drop out from the STEM major because they feel like their grades are too low, whereas the men just kind of push through. So the thing is, it's it's mostly a confidence problem on behalf of the women. Um, if if they, uh, I think there's, there's a lot of crises happening in colleges and I, there's a huge, I think, opportunity that we should all take uh with the student debt crisis um but a lot of people aren't recognizing uh nearly 60 percent of undergraduates are female right now boys men are doing horrible in college and um it is really uh going to continue for the next couple decades if we don't do anything to the point that two-thirds maybe three out of four college graduates will be women um and that's not uh something that people thought would be a problem 50 years ago but right. that that is the actual trend um as far as staying in stem majors it's it's just a confidence thing the women actually get better grades uh than the men for whatever reason but that's those are the actual stats. And here's, but here's where it gets really off the rails for me. Gosnell, who holds a doctorate in astronomy from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and is a recipient of the prestigious Cultural Scholar Award, uh, argued that tenets of white supremacy like individualism and exceptionalism and f perfectionism shape everything from the direction of physics research to the language used by the scientists. Now, when I see this, Max, I think of that, that terrible Smithsonian... Um, uh, I don't know what it was. It was a chart that was put up in the African-American Museum over there that just pretty much warned against the scourge of whiteness and all of the tenets of whiteness that you should you know, be able to identify and avoid by any means po uh, uh, possible. They all seem to be really good things to try to attach yourself to to have a nice, a nice life, you know, family, timeliness, work ethic, 
linear thinking, rational thinking, all that stuff. That is that should not be uh, something that only white people aspire uh, to. I know plenty of white people who don't. But obviously, this is the kind of really backwards thinking that's always pushed out there. If you're in a a science, a hard science like this, and you're dealing with physics and math and all that, why the hell would perfectionism or wanting to get perfect or exceptionalism or wanting to drive and believing in the individual, why would that be a bad thing? Well, it's it's very showing, I think, whenever you have um, someone reveal the bigotry of, of low expectations, um, which is to say, uh, the tenets, uh, so this is a quote from Gosnell, the tenets of white supremacy that show up in physics of individualism, individualism, exceptionalism, and perfectionism. It's either or thinking, there's no subtlety, there's no gray area. Uh, all of this manifests in the way we think about research, what counts as good research, what counts as important research. Um, well, here's the thing, you sh everybody should be aspiring to be exceptional. I think you, anybody in a, in a, there's, actually a, a negative part of exceptionalism in I guess physics departments uh, that I've been around that everybody's really got a chip on their soldier shoulder mm. they know that they're probably one of the smartest people they've ever encountered out of since they got out of high school um, is the way they feel about themselves um, but the the idea that people of other races cannot be individuals who are exceptional who can't strive for perfection in their work is really insulting i think to to those people that's well you know. I, I it's definitely not going to be i think really what it may also just be ultimately about is that that's not that it's not that they're not going to be exceptional and they're not going to um they're not going to, to, to be proud of their resume or what they're doing or, 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 or think themselves special. It's really just about, again, with the cigars. Whose enjoyment are you killing? With this, who are you trying to downgrade in the hierarchy of things, your perceived hierarchy of things? They want white men, especially, to just, just I don't know, self-flagellate themselves out of, out of contention in any field. They have, I, I think, by merit, I mean, they, at least that's the cards they always show us, is it seems that by merit of just how they were born, they, um, they have some kind of inherent privilege that needs to be constantly diminished in very public ways, almost like public offerings, sacrificial offerings. And it's, it's uh, sometimes the, the language is a little bit more direct, and other times we know exactly what they're talking about because it's the only thing that they discuss. Um, um, I wish that they would discuss other things like this damn comment I want to ask you about, but if there's any other, any other things that you wanted to add to that particular subject, go right ahead. Well, it's, it's always particular that, you know, somebody will show up into a field, um, a high paying field that, or a very prestigious field that's, you know, sexy and you get to do interviews on, on the news or documentaries, et cetera. Um, and then um, complain that there's too many men or there's too many white people around. I want to focus on the male part that specifically it's always, you know, professorships that we want to close the um, gender gap in, right? Do we want to close the gender gap in, you know, wildland forest fighters? 
Yeah. Are, are women working really hard at, at closing the gender gap in in um, steel mills? Are deep, we closing the oil gap drilling in sanitation and sewer workers? Oil drilling, oil yeah, oil field workers and stuff like that. There there doesn't seem to be a big push uh, to get women to participate in those fields, even though there's a huge gender gap. Um, you know, I'm talking 95 percent. Speaking of 95 percent, right? Um, and so it's, it, it is about getting into these cushy jobs. And, yeah, we're going to have parity um, in gender and in race in the next couple decades just based on the current trends in astrophysics. Already there is a um, surplus of women in, as college graduates uh, and, and minorities, actually, I should say, uh, Latino and, and, and everything like that. Who, there's a surplus uh, relative to their size in the population of um, those people graduating from college. Um, this has gone to mostly they, they're switching from STEM majors over to like humanities majors and hopefully it's more useful things but you know you think about student debt and it's a lot of these people are getting gender studies uh yeah. degrees that are worth a hundred two hundred thousand dollars they're going to work at the hr department at some major corporation um and it's yeah it's not uh, a sustainable model uh for the college and university system i i think things are seriously going to get shaken up um but what i will say is uh just wait you know it it's it's funny to me that we're gonna call out this problem and call it white supremacy right now and and um in the year 2020 it's been 50 years since title nine and already more women are graduating from college than men and if we continue the trend uh you know we, we have a lost gener generation of young men at this point this is where we're going um so that that's just some closing thoughts yes. on, on education and, and all that stuff. Uh, education and, 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 and sociology. I mean, what, what's, or, or, I mean to make a, a point, if, if we use the same metrics that would say we needed affirmative action for um, you know, African-Americans in the education system, it right now m many states would actually have affirmative action in reverse for Asian-American students and, and um, white students to increase their enrollment. Uh, there's a Supreme Court case that's going to get tried in the next um, hopefully year or so because Harvard, you know, think about these institutions, because of diversity requirements are actually systemically excluding Asian students at places like Harvard and, Harvard and Cornell and MIT and so on. Um, they're systematically excluding Asian students. Um, and so you're looking at a very unfair situation where we just want the best work in the field um and i i don't think yeah there's culture issues you know if, if i was to speak to her directly and saying yes i agree there's some cultural issues that go into how welcome different people feel in different departments um and we need to tell young women that they're actually better at college than men are that's statistically true um and you know, just wait. You're, we'll be talking about you know female supremacy in in um, 
a few, de- you know, just 10 years probably. Uh, uh, no doubt. I, and, and speaking of New York again and all those poor Asians out there that, that really overachieve and work their asses off, it's not even on the college level. I remember maybe th- three or four years ago we were covering all of the um, all of the the efforts that were being made to forcibly integrate these very exclusive New York high schools that were m- mainly Asian ch- uh, children that were, you know, the Chinese, Taiwanese, Japanese, whatever it was, but they were, they were just, they fill most of the rooms. And uh, it wasn't about making sure that there was enough, enough parity between Asian and white, of course. They wanted to get more black people in there, more Latino people in there. Um, and, and that is when we started seeing that Asian no longer, uh, Asian started becoming part of the white sphere. Because anybody that is out there and really digging, digging, digging and, and, and doing things without the help of anybody, they become more and more white. Uh, that's why a lot of black conservatives are really not considered black to these progressive types, because it's really not about helping anybody for one reason or another overcome something. It really is about some sort of a, a, a filthy new faith and um, and and all of the the superficial gender and race stuff really comes down to who is going to be most dependent and who's going to be a good warrior for the cause along the way because i mean individualism and the and and those who are striving to be exceptional as an individual as you said before that should be something that is embraced by all people and not demeaned because oh well this person thinks they're hot shit just because they're black or just because they're white no they should be hot shit because we're supposed to be Making strides here, and uh, and it's supposed to be a free, free nation. But um, I think we're learning the the stark truth about all this shit as we go on more and more. Um, I do want to ask you something since we have a short show tonight. Uh, I, we have about eight to ten minutes or so, and I really want to learn about this one. There is a green comet, a rare green comet about about to pass by Earth. When? What is this? This this is from a little while ago. Did it already happen? So actually, it was, uh, Comet C 2022E3 is going to pass its closest approach to Earth actually tomorrow night, um, or tomorrow, really. And so uh, at this point, it will be, if I'm not mistaken, I just want to look up, uh, 0.28 AU. So it's about 26 million miles away from Earth at this point. Um, Close it's been call. observed around magnitude five, so that does make it a naked eye object. Um, if you're in a nice dark spot, which New York City is not, no, but, um, <laughs> you can see it through binoculars or telescope up in the in the northern sky over the next couple weeks, actually. Um, well, let me ask you this: Why is yeah. it? Why is, is it rare because of the? orbit it's on or something like that it comes around so rarely or is it is it rare because green is the color and the green is rare what's what's with the the color makeup here well um green shouldn't be that rare as far as comets go or really as far as objects go because the um the green color is coming from diatomic carbon and a lot of the universe has carbon in it think about carbon dioxide think about um you know CO uh, all over the earth, um, hydrocarbons, your carbon, uh, the trees behind me are carbon, everything like that. So, um, you know, this, this green color, uh, the, the diatomic carbon is probably being delivered out there or er, is 
originates out there with um, the other volatiles in the Oort cloud. What makes it rare is that this long period comet has a 50,000 year orbital um, period. So that is to say it won't come back for another 50,000 years. And the last time it was seen was 50,000 years ago, which is during the Eemian Ice Age. You know, you had Neanderthal and, and all that cool stuff. Uh, running around and you know they would have would have maybe seen the comet um and so yeah it's it's uh it's a neat uh cool thing that you know just we just get to see and you know previous generation or future generations will just look at pictures at so are you in the wyoming area are you because it says wyoming nights uh they should be able to see this um are you in the why i know that you often travel to wherever these celestial events are going to happen so you can you can uh, observe yeah, I'm, it I'm better in the rockies uh so yeah I, I um we've got uh you know a lot more of open space in the west where we can just get out and away from bright city lights and uh, and enjoy the actual night sky as opposed to um, the reflected glow of city lamps and everything like that. Will you be? So, will you be personally uh, photographing? Uh, you know, photographing this. I actually tried last night, and I'm gonna go out uh, in another hour right now, actually, and try again. So you gotta send me if you get <laughs> any be, good I'll shots. I'll be trying, but it might not turn out that well. Well, if you find um, get anything good, but, send it my way. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll send you some stuff. And um, yeah, no, the the professional astrophotographers have it really set up. Um, so it, it, they might you might find some better pictures online, but doesn't mean I can't try from time to time. No, no, definitely um, not. It mostly I, I saw it a couple nights ago and it was just a fuzzy little patch in the sky. It was Neowise was the really cool one that was two years ago. I know that there is going to be an eclipse. We've been talking about this for years now, you and I, and mm -hmm. I, it's going to pass through like northwestern New York in April, right after my birthday, 2024. I don't know if you're planning on still coming out here. I would love to 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 make a trip up there and and be able to see that thing. But I, I definitely have got to do, take the uh, the the celestial tour of one of these events with you to be there, so you could be pointing things out and and saying what the hell is what. Speaking of comets, though, and mm -hmm. something else that has come up on the show in the last couple of weeks, we can end with this. Uh, when it comes to planet shaping catastrophes of the past, namely the very popular uh, topic of discussion, the Younger Dryas. We talk about that a lot. We watch other people talk about it with great enthusiasm and a lot of years of experience behind them. Everybody having different opinions. Are you an impact, a comet or asteroid impact theory kind of a guy, or are you a coronal mass ejection solar cycle kind of a guy when it comes to the, 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 the gigantic catastrophes of the past? Um, well, specifically for the Younger Dryas, I think there's mu a lot more evidence that it's a, a cometary um, impact is what caused it. Um, there are mammoth fossils all across the Northern Hemisphere with, or mastodon, et cetera, fossils um, with meteorite fragments embedded in their tusks, all dating from about 12,000 years ago, as best as, as people can uh, date that. Um, and so I, I've always been inclined to believe that there was a large airburst comet in the northern hemisphere, um, and it might have uh, triggered a, at this time, 
Um, there were huge ice sheets covering most of Canada and Siberia, et cetera. And that it probably, you know, exploded with so much force that it, it vaporized a huge amount of that ice, um, released huge ice flows across um, many areas. And um, this cold water would shut down um, the climate regulating currents in the North Atlantic and North Pacific. And also um, all of that steam and, and dust uh, in the atmosphere would block out a lot of sunlight, lowering the Earth's albedo, triggering a, a rapid uh, glaciation event following a flood. So um, I don't know. Do you, have you watched Ancient Apocalypse on on uh, Netflix? It's yeah. on my it's on my list, and of course I don't have any time to do anything anymore. But I want to watch it still. I will eventually. Okay, yeah, so he's he's a journalist, and he talks to several astronomers and geologists and archaeologists, and I, I got to tell you, one of the other things that I do on my time, uh, and I know we're coming up on the time limit, one of the things I other also do is, is archaeoastronomy. I like going to ancient ruins and, and looking and seeing their celestial alignments and stuff like that, and, and the archaeologists are, don't like the astronomy thing. And, and his treatment by them was my experience as well. Really? Um, and I, I, I think he he's not right, I think, about a lot of the anthropological things, saying that uh, ancient civilizations were super advanced, uh, like some Finno-Korean hyperwar situation. Um, You're talking about Graham Hancock, right? Graham Hancock, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I think that's a big stretch, but I do think that uh, a lot of the events that are described in Gilgamesh and Noah or in Indonesia or the Aztecs uh, are all describing the same flood that occurred during the Younger Dryas uh, 12,000 years ago. Hmm. Well, we have to jump more into this, especially the whole topic of pole shifts, uh, Max, because from what I understand, oh, yes. there are a few... Well, just remember, the Earth's magnetic field uh, is flipping and the whole mass of the earth's molten iron core is going to uh, is starting to rotate backwards but all you need to do is vote blue just it's just what you do vote really hard whatever you do but really, really hard. hard you can stop magnetic pole shift stop please vote for democrats and let's just end this insanity once and for all um so okay so then you, you just brought I, I let's just squeeze a couple more minutes out of it. the band has not shown up yet um okay. the the pole shifts. I know that there are two two ways of looking at it. What you just described right there is something that has always been said that the the least disruptive shifting in the poles would be an internal uh, an internal kind of reorganization of, of of whatever is going on in the core of the planet. And then there are that there are the other the other uh, theories that are put on out there that we are coming up on a time where the planet is going to go from 90 degrees to 180 degrees and you know the poles are going to pass through the equator and it's going to melt everything and it's just going to be fucked for we're fucked so okay, uh, so here's here's the deal about the pole shift is that it's a magnetic pole shift the actual axis of earth's rotation remains fixed geologists can look at this in the atlantic ocean as the ocean has been spreading apart grows about the same rate your fingernails do we've gone down and measured the magnetic field lines that are embedded because it's basalt it's full of iron so that the iron gets oriented along the north or south pole it flips every twenty thousand years or so it's it's totally normal uh seems like it happens all the time and earth's done just fine uh every time the magnetic poles shift uh 
that said though uh you know we are looking at a very active solar period coming up and and you know we could here's here's uh here's some juicy conspiracy theory for you we could have even a natural coronal mass ejection directly impact the earth cause a new carrington event as occurred in 1860 would knock out power across most of the northern hemisphere huge disaster um we could blame it on emp weapons from russia get ourselves into world war three um you know just an idea no, and, and we can also just blame it on on uh, plastic bottles that that India keeps throwing out down the, the, all their rivers over there. I don't there. even blame India. I think it's I think it's like Indonesia is like who's mostly doing all the plastic. Yeah, there's like, there's four I believe I don't know there's four main rivers in Africa slash Asia that provides most of the plastic to to the, the the that are floating around the oceans and these gigantic they're almost like, it looks like a continent of trash already and. I mean, you're talking about countries that don't, they don't give a shit about anything, and whatever we. Um, well, here's the deal: it's hard to care about the environment when you're poor. Yeah, and I, so it, it, you know, same thing happened in America in the 1970s. Nobody cared about, you know. You watch the scene from uh, Mad Men when they take do the picnic, and they they're done with the picnic. They literally just get up and just throw all the trash on the grass and just drive off. That's how people were, because there were just, you know, they, it also seemed like there was, the environment was infinite, um, is the other thing, that, that people kind of going from a deindustrialized to industrialized thing. So the trick is we need to get rich as quick as possible, and then people start caring about the environment. The environment in the U.S. is as good as it's ever been. It's great, in fact, and um, it's because we're one of the richest nations in the world. And we're rich because we burn fossil fuels. Fossil fuels are what make nations rich. Um, and we should burn more of them in more places to get people rich so that they care about pollution more, which is way more of a threat than uh, trace amounts of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Oh, I'm glad you said it. I'm glad you said it. And uh, I, yeah, especially that part about, you know, you can't you can't really give a shit about too much when you're, you're just trying to keep people alive. And it's uh, we're beyond that, way beyond that. I I thank you so much for the time. Now, Max. And Caparato is your 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 stage name for your Tumblr account. That's how we all met. We we were, we're a tight knit group of of uh, of Tumblrinas. But do, do you have any any blog or anything that you promote where you put all your stuff out there or or no? Yeah, mostly uh, if if you just want memes and uh, that's what they want. Know, they want memes. If you just want the memes, Tumblr.com. Slash and Caparato, right? It's a reference to being an anarcho-capitalist in Colorado. Um, so that's that's all the handle need handle means. Um, yeah, it's just memes, man. Join us on um, most Thursdays for the Alter podcast, where uh, we spend a whole hour um, just basically doing a live shit post. That's it. That's really, and that, and ladies and gentlemen, that is that's Max. That is our buddy Moonlit Matt, and our, our many of you have met him before. He was Ben was actually the only one of you three that has ever been here in the studio. But uh, based, oh, that's right, because because he's he was up in New York at one point. Yeah, before he went to Utah, based Heisenberg. So uh, I'm gonna have you guys back on with all three of you guys on with me next Thursday, the ninth, and then you go live on your show afterwards, and hopefully some people go and hang out with you there. But um, I appreciate your time here tonight, Max, and I can't wait for the next time. 
All right, peace. Taxation right. theft. Da taxation is theft. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's all, that's all I, want. I love that sign off. Good man. All right, we'll be right back, and uh, we'll wrap this one up in a tidy, tidy, tidy knot. Okay. Hey, how you doing? How's your mom? Fuck out of here. Hey, how you doing? Fuck out of here. Fuck out of here. Fuck out of here. Fuck out of here. Hey, how you doing? Oh, you got so big. Fuck out of here. The virtuous spirit has no need for thanks or approval. Only the certain conviction that what has been done is right. Develop such conviction in yourself, Elal, Kalel, Ralph, whatever your name is. <laughs> just cut, 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 cut. We'll just pick it up. I appeared before the Congressional Committee, the highest representation of the American people under subpoena to tell what I knew of activities, which I believe might lead to an attempt to set up a fascist dictatorship. The plan as outlined to me was to form an organization of veterans, to use as a bluff or as a club at least, to intimidate the government and break down our democratic institutions. The upshot of the whole thing was that I was supposed to lead an organization of 500,000 men which would be able to take over the functions of government. I talked with an investigator for this committee who came to me with a subpoena on a Sunday, November 18th. He told me they had unearthed evidence linking my name with several such veteran organizations. As it then seemed to me to be getting serious, I felt it was my duty to tell all I knew of such activities to this committee. My main interest in all this is to preserve our democratic institutions. I want to retain the right to vote, I the right to speak freely, and the right to write. If we maintain these basic principles, our democracy is safe. No dictatorship can exist with suffrage, freedom of speech, and press. Quite frankly, listen live or download it and take it with you wherever you go while you're driving, walking, working, or <laughs> you dirty dog. For all things, go to quitefrankly.tv. You like what you see? Become a sponsor. Quite Frankly streams live weekdays at 7 p.m. Eastern wherever you get your podcast. So for everything, it's quitefrankly.tv. Righty Roo. Alrighty. So it's 8.05, 8.05, and, you know, I always hate having to get off early. That's just the way it is. Got to find time to make everything um, balance out. But still, have a little bit of time right now to see what has been thrown my way in the Super Chats so we can see what some people are thinking. And then uh, maybe if I don't see that the open the, the doors open up and the guys walk through, um, I'll just take calls. I'll take calls until there's no time left. But all right, 
First one up is Phil's WW says, reading that article uh, on it being a spiritual warfare that we are actually going through right now in the world, I 100% agree with the perspective on this and the article. Thank you. Love and blessings to you and your Frank and the Frankly family. Yeah, that is a very interesting. It was the other. It, where was it? I have that over. It was the upheaval. I should read the whole article on air one night. But it was that one wonderful take on regarding the woke cultural revolution and what it means for everything else. And it, um, it, I think it really has a lot to do with what's going on with what Max just talked about right here too. Here, look, they'll just go in here for the wokesters. Take race, they say. And of course you can make this about gender or anything else, but obviously they're just taking the example of race because they apply it everywhere to win every argument and to continue to dominate on a full, wide, complete spectrum. They want to, to have nowhere for you to run. Take race. Wokesters are not control. Let's see. Hold on. Let's get this here. Wokesters are not colorblind. That is no revelation. But what is important to understand is that their notion of systemic racial bias or any bias is just a cover, concealing and giving respectability to something much darker. The real but never confessed indignation is that is that some, in fact, are more capable, more beautiful, more intelligent, etc. And this is deemed cosmically unfair. Thus, the solution must not be mere improved treatment of the less blessed as in former times, but ultimately annihilation of all difference, but not before punitive and vengeful inversion in which the least capable, the least beautiful, and the least intelligent are put on a pedestal and the most, and, uh, and the most subjugated and murdered. So that could be a... That doesn't have to be a literal murder. But when you amputate uh, a person's ambition, when you teach them that they're less than what they are or what they less than they can be and why they shouldn't try and why they're being downtrodden is payback for some kind of a perceived offense from hundreds of years ago that nobody was around to see, whatever it was, whether it be slavery or um, some injustice that they found at some corner of the earth that they was able to repackage and deliver to us to, to bring in some kind of a technocratic hell because that's really it. That's really it. The HR mobs. What is that really going to lead us to? Okay, over on Rockfin. Fishhead Montana said, the, so the cavemen recorded the comment last time? Think about it. No, no, the cavemen did not record the comment last time. That's not what he was saying. He was saying that if you, if, you, if you go back to the cycles of what would have been going on around one time or another, what would have been going... That, that's what it was. I understand the world is flat, space is fake. There you go. Um, Felipe Stoker says, thanks for your wicked sense of surreal black humor. You demand, frankly, Felipe. It's good to have you on, Felipe. Great to have you on. All right, over on Pilled. Let's see. I just saw the guys got here too, so we'll be wrapping this one up. Witchy Poo, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Witchy Poo, for getting it kicked off. Captain Flint, wonderful to have you out there. Sean Joe, River Pike says, eat more meat. 
Yes. Makes you strong. Witchypoo22 again. Paulie says, I am a phosphorus-based life form. My code can... My code can be transferred via light. I like that. Casey, good to, good to see you. Jay Jewel, good to see you. Boys Blanc, Tempo, and CJM. I always hate to get off early. She hates it too. That's, just, that's what CJM says. Uh, every group of people have been slaves sometime in the past. Oh, and there's far more people who are slaves now than ever before. Not only just in the physical sense, in the tens of millions throughout places like Africa and and uh, the Middle East, Asia, a little bit in Central South America, there are there are tens and tens of millions of people more over here who are you don't have their they, they're allowed to go out of their house. Many of us, and it doesn't matter what our color is, white, black, brown, whatever. We're allowed to go out of the house, ladies and gentlemen. We're allowed to go out and seek jobs if we want them. Um, we're allowed to to build up all types of habits and and pick out the food we want to eat night to night. But um, but if you don't have your minds, and if we are under constant constant attack, then is it is it really a free state? And that is what we'll be talking about in large part tomorrow. Yes, we have some threads to go through, but I also have a question about. Um, What's you know what is going on with people's cognitive state around us, and are you even are you feeling even the fog sometimes? I know I feel foggy sometimes. So I want to talk about that and what that fog really means, and then we'll see what the the audience has to say. They'll be calling in and writing in, I'm sure. But that's all. That's all for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. It's eight ten. I know, just a little bit over an hour, it, it probably feels as unsatisfying for you as for me too. But you know what? Distance makes the heart grow, grow stronger and fonder, right? So hopefully we have a, a fond reuniting tomorrow and we're all set. All right, that's it. All these, all the Super Chats are out of the way. I uh, thank you again to Maxian Cabrado for coming by and hanging out with us. And everybody save the the flat earthers who probably stormed out. Stormed out in a huff. <laughs> this was probably hell for them. But uh, but as for the rest of you, I'm thankful that you're all here. And we'll see you tomorrow. Plenty more to do. And good night. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters. Phil's WW. Oh, Gozer the Gozerian says, Hey, Frank, are you a god? No. Then die. Yeah, thank you, Gozer, for showing up. Uh, thank you, Fishhead Montana. Thank you, Felipe. And uh, to everybody over there on Foxhole, you've been wonderful to me, and I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Now enjoy the rest of the evening. So that's it for me over here. Thank you, Theta. Thank you, DLive. Thank you, Foxhole, Twitch, Rumble, YouTube, Rockfin. You've been great. See you tomorrow.